Becoming Egyptian. All right, welcome to Becoming Egyptian. This is episode 16. I'm joined with my co-host Session, and today's guest is a special lady called Miranda Moreno. Yes. Um, she is a consciousness, uh, consciousness type living coach, uh, mindfulness-based therapist, and yeah, we're gonna have a good chat with her and learn a lot of things today. And our neighbor. She's and our neighbor. Yeah, we found out we live across the street from each other. And um, we were wasting time messaging. We could have just gone across the road. And knocked on your door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how the modern world works. Facebook first, in person second. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. No, well, um, awesome. if you wanted to give a little introduction of yourself, Miranda, what brought you to Puerto and what, what it is you do mainly? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this episode 16. I'm very happy to be here. I've been here in Puerto for the past eight months or so. Um, it was really an experience of just being mindful, actually, of how I was not feeling great where I was living and with what I was doing. And so I decided to just take a short trip here. And then everything, just like right here today, seemed to be aligned so that I would stay longer. And so what I do and my main focus is trying to help people understand that the more you are conscious about how you are living and every moment of your life, you can find happiness in the present moment. Sometimes we believe that we're chasing it until we reach a certain place, a certain moment in our lives, and we're missing all of other moments which are also important. So that's a little bit of what I do. And that also takes me to some couples counseling, but starting with this mindfulness or conscious living mm -hmm. base of just like be aware of what you're doing. And if there's something you don't like, how can you change it? And if you do like it, then appreciate it and be grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's a, that's a, that's a great basis to start for a lot of people. Cause I get, I get caught up in that trap, you know, focusing about the, focusing on the target and forgetting yes. the trajectory, the, the fun. That's the beauty involved. of the trajectory, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so um, what does that look like in your day-to-day -day life now? Like, is it mainly the couples-based counseling you do or um, what is it mainly? I believe that most of the people that come to me do start by telling me like they're struggling in their relationship, romantic relationship. But actually, when we look at it just a little bit deeper, we realize that it starts with the individual, right? It's mm -hmm. like, okay, what is there in your story that now maybe you're projecting in your relationship, right? Like maybe mm -hmm. it's not about what you're experiencing right now, but maybe it just seems familiar with something from your past that you know that has hurt you. And now you're trying to protect yourself from that pain. So sometimes when you start working on yourself, you can start noticing things in your relationship changing as well. So it's like yeah, this combination. This seems yeah. to be coming up a lot with um, a lot of our conversations as well, eh? like um, looking within first as the problem rather than uh, assigning blame. Yeah, of course. Um, do you think there are certain times, though, where it's right to blame someone and there's nothing you could have done? Like there's no personal regret. It had to be someone else's fault. Are there particular cases like that? Screw that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any of those moments? I do believe that's that's a choice to to choose that perspective. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, I believe it has something to do with feeling at peace with your decisions and with what you do in certain situations. Like, hey, I tried my best or I tried what I, I did what I could do. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else. Mm. And so just being able to accept that, I believe it works. And maybe I would just like not call it like blaming it on someone else, just accepting your own responsibility, but not taking, uh, you know, others mm. people's loads and things that that are their responsibility as well. 
Yeah, okay. And you mentioned just before we started that you noticed a lot of similar patterns but when you talk to different people, the problems, there's a lot of overlap between those problems. Um, what are some of the common things that seem to come up that everyone is suffering through? Like, is it loneliness or? Absolutely. Like this, it seems like the more connected we feel we are through social media and just these different ways in which we can interact with our phones, that also is bringing some certain disconnection from yeah the real life, you know, so people are struggling, feeling like they're alone in those ways or feeling like they're not being able to enjoy where they are right now because there's something else that's coming or maybe in the future. And that is a big part of why I love to talk about what I talk about is like, hey, if you if we just take this moment right now, mm -hmm. we're not actually feeling hot nor cold. We have water if we want to drink some water. We're, we're good. So this moment is perfect as it is. Mm -hmm. There are things to look forward to. Yes, it's okay to have hopes and dreams and to work with motivation and discipline towards what you want. But understanding that right here, right now, is already something to be super grateful for. Yeah, yeah, well, wow. inherently, right? Just the breath, that, <laughs> the breath that you take in. That was a good little, good little run there. Yeah, if that's a yeah. taste of uh, the coaching that you got going, then maybe, maybe I should sign yeah. up. <laughs> this is why Puerto is perfect, right? For this, like, there, there's a very, that kind of energy over here that must resonate with you as a living coach. Absolutely. So what do you, so you work with clients, uh, you said in group settings and solo one-on-one -on -one settings. Let's go to like the one-on-one. -on -one. What, like, what's what's some of the worst? Like, what's the worst case you've ever seen? Without mentioning names. Without mentioning of course, names. of course. No, I wouldn't. What would I say? Just um, probably someone who was dealing with a very intense and severe case of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so it really took a lot of work and intense sessions because first, of course, there's this resistance, right? So we would want to be like joining our session and suddenly, oh, I forgot. Oh, mm. someone called me. Oh, my internet. Oh, my phone died. And I just kind of know these things already also because in my personal life, sometimes I notice my own resistance towards things that I don't want to face just yeah. yet. So it started with that. So how can you help someone if they still have this resistance of even showing up to therapy, right? Yeah. Well, they've paid you, right? Already. And then they cancel. Yeah, I do have that policy. It's like, <laughs> hey, unless you let me know with some hours in advance, please do. Yeah. yeah. Because then it, it, that was probably like one of my, the things that I was not taking into consideration when I first started like doing this counseling. So I would be like, okay, no worries. And then I would be just sitting there for an hour. Like I, I already have these space yeah. that I have, yeah. you know? Yeah, people, so, no, they seem to not have an urgency to help themselves, but more of an urgency like for Starbucks. So like if they sign up for therapy, not show up, but. Yeah, but that's something very important that you're mentioning. I started realizing that when this person started telling me, like, I cannot, I cannot afford it right now, then I would see them, like, in Instagram stories, like, partying every yeah. weekend. I was like, okay. <laughs> then I told them, like, maybe it's not your priority yeah. to go to therapy right now. It's a different thing. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just a decision that you're making to use your money for something that you believe is more important mm -hmm. or helpful right now. So if you want to party, do that, but then change that mindset of, I don't have the money because you're choosing to spend it on something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just about priorities, I believe. And it's tough sometimes to, 
to do what you know will will actually help you. It's easier to just say yeah. like I'll I'll have a drink right now and it will make me feel better even if it's just for a while or whatever. Mm. But it takes courage and a lot of effort to to choose this path that has like these extended um, benefits and well being. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then do you notice that with the people that do make that difficult start, they do um, get the journey started, they always tend to come back after they realize the positive benefits? It's awesome. That's probably one of my favorite moments when they're just naturally saying like, hey, good morning, I'm here to schedule my weekly session. It's just yeah. like, oh, okay, they're, they're yeah. getting it and they're feeling that they're changing. The other day I had this amazing comment from a person that I'm seeing and she was like, it is so awesome that I have now this clear vision of what it's like to feel happy and that now I can like establish clear boundaries and have open communication. So she was just being her own therapist, mm. which is something that we're trying to do with this mindfulness based thing that I do. It's just like I'm not trying to get my clients to be there with me forever every week. It's like, yeah. how do you develop these tools that you naturally have within you so that you can use them whenever you want and whenever you need them? And mm. then my my presence there just becomes like, oh, I'm here with you while you yeah. talk. It's your monologue, but I'm here just making sure that you're It's okay. like a mother bird. Like you got to get your baby bird to fly by itself. You yes. don't want to be holding it the whole time, right? You want to yes. fly with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that yeah, yeah, and that's the opposite of uh, Pfizer. Just you know, they want they want to keep you sick. You know, you you're trying to get them <laughs> yeah. cured quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Which, is, which is the way forward with with health, right? And and even in the business space, that's the way forward now. Just cure people actually. So Absolutely. Don't keep them in the in in the yeah. circle going. And now there is more and more. I'm currently studying a master's degree on mindfulness, and so. Uh, one of my teachers who is a psychiatrist is just constantly giving us more and more research on how mindfulness actually helps prevent some diseases and how it can help with the, I don't know, like just healing with pain and physical issues because sometimes it really all starts in the mind. Mm -hmm. So if you pay more attention to your day-to-day life and this conscious living is about like, huh, I might feel that I want to eat this, but I know that my brain would benefit more from eating that. So that's conscious living, that's mindfulness, and it's helping you with your health. So conscious living is about taking care of every step that you're taking towards mm-hmm. a healthier life, not only for your mental health, but also your body. Are those two words interchangeable? Is it the same thing, mindfulness and conscious living, or is there a difference in that? Um, I would say that, well, mindfulness is this... Uh, this thing that this creator, the creator is John Kabat-Zinn. And so he was like, okay, I can see the benefits of meditation, but I understand that people, like let's say in the United States or whatever, they are not all trying to become monks. Mm -hmm. So how can I make it something that they can understand, something that they can practice without feeling like they have to be sitting down super still for hours and hours every day to get these results? So he came up with this mindfulness, right? So it's like um, a more practical way to talk about Buddhist principles and to talk about the, the importance of breathing consciously and just being aware of whatever comes up. Yeah. So then you can be mindful or you can practice mindfulness and that might lead to a conscious living. I wouldn't say they're like exactly the same, but of course they're related like that. Mm-hmm. Mm, right, right. Yeah, well, do you feel like that's a... Uh 
because I see that swap too, like in the West, like we can say United States, even in New Zealand or where we're from, a lot of people taking on the more Eastern principles of living, you know, stepping back, being conscious, viewing your thoughts from a distance yeah. and disconnecting in a way. And I think a little small dose of that is good, but also maybe what makes the those countries successful is also being on the opposite side of the spectrum, just hyper-focused on reality. So I just don't, how do you think that's going to look like when, because it seems like you look at China and the people that came up with this shit, the good shit, <laughs> they're stepping away from it. Like they want to be like America. Yeah. So do you think we're going to have a swap like that or do you think we're going to find a good balance? I believe, I want to believe that there will be a good balance. And I also see already how people are starting to notice like, oh, we have been taught to look to the outside and to watch TV or just anything that's coming from the outside telling us mm -hmm. what is good for what is good for you what do you need you can buy mm. this you can buy that yeah like knowing what you need better than yourself and i believe that now there's coming this different realization where it's like no what do i need ask myself first and then i'll know and then i'll get this inner wisdom to tell me what's best for me so I, yeah. I do trust in every person's process to realize that they can actually find these correct, uh, well, I don't know if correct is the word, but just like these things that work for each of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope we can find the balance too, because yeah. I don't want to lean, me personally, I don't want to lean too far over to the other side of just uh, completely stepping back. That's just like who I am. But I, I really, really enjoy the bits of mindfulness throughout the day that I get to practice and brings the most serenity to my yeah. day. So I hope that we can all find the middle ground, but I wonder what that looks like in America. <laughs> I know, yeah. and trust me, it's something that I often think about. Like sometimes I'm like trying to be mindful and then I just think like, am I overdoing it? If I'm just like sitting here, then is that too much? Like in this world, does it work like that? Or should I mm. be also moving, doing something else? Yeah. So. I think the fun part, actually, if you look at it through this curious perspective, is like every day challenging yourself in a good way to how do I find that balance? Mm -hmm. When I'm eating, of course, I still want to eat and enjoy my food, but what if I just pay attention to what I'm eating and I'm mindful about what I'm eating? There's a balance. Even if you're watching a movie, whatever it is you're doing, just if you are aware that you're doing it, that's both mindfulness and living your normal life yeah. right yes yeah, yeah yeah highest state of being yes. well me, me and me and Sid were actually talking about it like uh, maybe a month ago like we were saying if you eat your food and you're not mindful of it you you, you don't even get any of the nutrients <laughs> i i believe that <laughs> I, I just, okay if you focus on your food and eat it i wonder if it's just healthier yeah right. like your body actually just <laughs> it benefits more if you actually are conscious of eating what you're eating yeah. maybe this has vitamin b this has vitamin c and you just yeah. know that and then your body knows that i don't know i, don't I actually know. like would take that one step further <laughs> and say not only um it, it would be better if you were conscious while eating but also if you know the science of what you're eating the breakdown wow. the component breakdown i think that would make you even healthier if you realize exactly the components that went into the food yeah. And, and that but I have on no evidence for this. I know, I know. <laughs> but that's what this podcast is about, no evidence. Uh, but that's awesome. And even from a love perspective, I'm all about the love. And sometimes, no, I want to say before every meal, it's something that I've recently incorporated into my routine. And it's just like before 
I start eating, I just look at my plate and I see what's in there. And I realize that there's a whole process before those carrots became yeah. part of my dish, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. they, it took some time for them to grow and it took people who were working and taking care of them and it took some water and sunlight and all these components that maybe now I cannot see them. But if I just pay attention to my carrot, I know they were there and I feel grateful. <laughs> yeah. And then I can eat it thinking like, whoa, this whole process, now it's going to be nutritious for me. What a, what a blessing, yeah. what a yes. gift. And I think that is physically going to be healthier for you. Like, so yeah. you heard it here first, a hypothesis, food with consciousness is actually healthier. Uh, watch the research come out soon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've just been... Did you say you're an expert on love? You, you're no, about, I'm you're, all about love. You're all about the love. Yeah, yes. I am. She's actually. an idealist. All about love, <laughs> right? So yeah, no, so yeah, I was, I was wondering, like, what what do you what do you mean when you say the word love? Like, what do you think of? I do think of like something that I took from Buddhism, which is love. In order to be love, needs to have two characteristics, which are it is unconditional and it is universal mm -hmm. otherwise it is very simple to fall into the trap of attachment versus love which make which is part of my journey also as a couples counselor right uh, but I love him but if he's with someone else then I don't want him to be happy then <laughs> is that love like <laughs> is he supposed to be happy only if he's with you I don't know that doesn't sound very unconditional to me so that's mm. why I implement these things like I want people to be happy doing what they're doing being who they are regardless of what that means to me you know talking perhaps about like uh, closer relationships I want another person to be happy with what they're doing it does, because I love them. It's not that I'm expecting something in return, right? Mm -hmm. And universal, I do believe that when you love someone, and just like this carrot example that I was giving, you just end up loving the person that was taking care of the carrot that now you're eating. And you end up realizing that the person who was driving the truck that brought the carrot to the place where you bought it. So it's just like you can be grateful and you can send love, which to me is just like this good intentions and good wishes to everyone who's around, every living being. And it just comes back to you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like also if you if you end up loving a person, then you inevitably end up loving the community that raised that person. Absolutely. Yeah. The other day I was just like, seeing my partner being completely him. You know, this moments where they're just like being <laughs> themselves. Yeah. So yeah. much fun to watch and so yeah. beautiful. And what came to my mind was like, God, I love his family. You know, if yeah. they allowed yeah. him to him be second, like this, yeah. if they gave, yeah. it's like the carrot, like whatever he had to get what he needed to become that person. Thank you for that. Those yeah. are the most uh, sparked moments, right? When someone is just being themselves times a hundred, just themselves in the flesh. Yes, That's amazing. Yes. Amplified. Um, but but the, yeah, the, the, no, there's pretty, isn't there pretty like good evidence in the philosophical circles that that is one of the highest forms of love is love of the overarching principles that created the thing that you love. And that is the love, not for the thing, but for the actual system. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's the um, unconditionality. <laughs> yeah. Do you think uh, detachment is necessary to be unconditional in loving? Because like you say, if you can't be happy about someone else's success and status and happiness, uh, despite them not being with you or for you, 
that's not true love. So do you think you have to be a certain level of detached to be unconditionally loving? I used to feel this way. But then I realized it's more uh, about finding a secure attachment, a safe attachment. That is also possible, mm -hmm. which is like if we want to be friends, if we want to be like whatever kind of relationship you're trying to get with someone, that is a relation. You need to be involved. You need to have this sort of connection. Yeah, yeah. But how do we make it safe or secure? It means that if the person goes away, I'm still being me and I'm still being happy. We can share that happiness. We can share moments. That's awesome. That's secure attachment. But if the other person goes, I don't feel like completely miserable and like my life is meaningless now. I believe mm. that's the, yeah. the thing that I want to talk more about also, just in general, because I believe there is this tendency of entering relationships from an anxious perspective or an avoidant perspective of like this push and pull of like, I want to come closer and the other person is pushing me away and then we change the roles. So how can we change that into something that feels more safe to all the parts involved? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's emotionally safe and secure. Like yes. How would you create, what would, what would you tell to a person to help them create that emotional safety for another person? Hmm, very good question. Like I said before, I do believe it starts with understanding your own story. If what you, we learn things about life when we are just infants, or children, right? In our childhood, we learn, oh, this is what love means from what we see around us. Oh, this is what life means. This is what we just start understanding the world in a certain way. And that can be very different to how other people understand the world. So as adults, we try to enter relationships saying, I love you, but we don't know if we mean the same thing by using that word love. Mm. Maybe we grew up with different understandings of what that word means. Mm -hmm. So when you understand your story, then you can show who you are to another person and that can make the other person show themselves as well. So to me, creating this type of secure attachment starts with showing where you're coming from, who you are, and that creates an open communication which leads to a secure attachment. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Just the definitions of the big buzzwords like love and hope and fear and lust. You need to be on the same page with those words because mm. there's like a, a hundred different takes on each one of them. Yeah. And if you're going yeah. in on different planes of thinking, then yeah, it gets dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. like speaking different languages. That's how I describe it. It's like... My, my couple's counseling, I usually talk about it like I'm translating. Now that I've been here in Puerto, sometimes I find myself translating between English and Spanish. And it makes me think how sometimes with love it happens like that. People say, I love you, and the other person replies, I love you too. But since they're speaking different languages, the message or what they're trying to convey just gets lost in translation. Yeah. So if you understand what's the definition or what is it that you're trying to say, you can get the message through easier in an easier way. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, the um, we we speak about unconditional love all the time. Like, what do you think about unconditional love, Sid? Um, I think it's something that very few people can actually achieve to be completely unconditional. Um, 
and yeah, like what we were talking about before, the level of detachment you need for that is really high and you need to sort of refine your mindfulness and moment-based practices a lot to get to that stage. Um, I think a lot of people think they're unconditionally loving and they also think the only way to love is unconditional. I think that's the highest form of it, but most people can't really get there. Yeah, and if you can't, you should at least practice conditional love. Even though conditional <laughs> yeah. love to me sounds like a business transaction, like I'm here for you if you're here for me. It sounds uh, more diluted, but um, at least do that if it's, you can't do something else. It's love nevertheless. Yeah, it's a step yeah. above hatred. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it is. Because <laughs> a business transaction is very... Um, Hate-based. It's sort of the opposite of love, but at least do business if you can't do love, I think, <laughs> as, a, as a second stage, you know? Yeah, but we were, we were speaking about how, like, even to be unconditional, there has to be a sense, like, of conditionality. Because, like, for example, I love my dad unconditionally, not until he murders someone, but I know my father's character and he wouldn't do that. Oh, this so, is where we disagree, right? Oh, this is, I don't uh, yeah. know if we disagree here, but this is how I feel is, like, um, I just know he wouldn't do that, which is why I can claim that my love is unconditional. But if he randomly turns around and does that, I just yeah. don't know if my love is unconditional. So it's not, right? So, no, but it's... <laughs> but there's a trap because you just, you just use the word unconditional, but if. Yeah, and that's what, that's what I'm saying is that, so, that I just don't know if you can find unconditional because the purest form of love that I can think of inherently is for your parents who gave birth to you. It's harder to find that in a partner. So if even that yeah. is unconditional, I feel like there needs to be a middle word between unconditional and conditional called I love you. For, for, people, for people who claim to be unconditional but aren't. Like exactly. in a loving marriage, I don't think a loving marriage is unconditional because most people, like you say, if their partner murdered a child, they would stop loving their partner. So that's yeah. not unconditional, right? But it's based on the condition that they've learned that person's character and they know they wouldn't do that. So it's yeah. literally not even we're not even thinking about that because I know you wouldn't do that. So <laughs> I think in like in theory though, in, in, in abstraction, when they say unconditional in the Buddhist tradition, they mean more like, um, they mean regardless, regardless of like change in circumstance. Right. So it's sort of like, um, a universe, like you, you were mentioning a universal love that's not reliant on the phenomena you experience. It's just sort of love for being itself. Mm -hmm. And so it's not directed towards one uh, person, I think, uh, like right. unconditional. We also, I guess, in the West, attach the unconditionality to a person. Right. Yeah. And it's impossible for a person to live up to that. It's more to do with the surrounding environment that you have endless love for, which is a lot easier because the surrounding environment doesn't deceive you, you. Yeah, it's nature. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. I was just going to make this differentiation about sometimes when we talk about love, we think about maybe a romantic relationship mm -hmm. as if they were kind of the same thing and maybe they're not so maybe love can be unconditional but when talking about a relationship you do have this sort of transaction it's like i'm going to give you some of my time and you're going to give me some of your time this is what we're sharing yeah. that is the kind of exchange that you are doing in a relationship and it's not necessarily negative right because only through that transaction can i become more than i am now and she become hopefully she yes. <laughs> become more than what she is um, yeah like some states of being that you can only reach with someone else you know like so maybe that's a positive kind of transaction because normally we think of it as a um, <laughs> yeah, business deal, which is very like now we think of that as a negative <laughs> contractual. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, relationships seem to be moving more towards the contractual side of things anyways now mm. with divorce Openly. rates climbing and pornography climbing. That's literally a contract. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. And like in like they're not hiding it as well. It's sort of like I give you money, you give me this in in a loving relationship as well. And what what do you make of that? Do you think that's bad <laughs> full stop or is there room for like um nuance there? I believe the base of a relationship it has to be having open clear assertive communication which sometimes is also something that we're not taught during our childhood right like sometimes maybe at least some of the background that i have i used to be um, a teacher for like preschool kids and elementary school so i would see this all the time like parents just like right now adults are talking so you don't talk or telling these little white lies to children and stuff like that so then we also learn ah this is how communication works mm. my grandma will give me some candy but then i cannot tell my mom or things like mm -hmm. that so then it just becomes more difficult to be honest and to be open in our relationships because we feel if I say the truth, I will not be worthy of this person's love. So I'd rather mm. just play it cool and play my character in the ways that I know this person will keep on loving me. Um, but I believe that if we are able to work through that and establish this open communication, we are able to say this is what I can offer to this relationship in terms of time. Maybe I can say, I can see you three times a week. Right now, that is the time that I want to give to a relationship. And if the other person says like, hey, I was expecting we would see each other every day, wouldn't that be much easier than to just be playing this game of like, ah, you don't see me enough. No, but I do see you. So, you know, it's just a matter of practicing open communication so that then these things, yeah. it's like we are agreeing on something. Yeah, yeah. So the basis is um, like being on the same page about it. And if both yes. parties agree, then that's usually going to be a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. I believe that. Makes mm. a lot of sense. Any <laughs> burning questions about love, Sid? Um, actually, I wanted to just ask what you are studying currently in your master's specifically. Well, I'm very excited. I'm about to start the second year of the program. And we are going to start with our own research. So I'm looking forward to that because I'm actually going to start doing it about romantic relationships. Like how can you use mindfulness techniques to have a better communication, to have a better sex life, to have a better relationship with yourself that then ends up being a better relationship with your partner. And mm. what we have been seeing so far are just like these, we have had these retreats with some Buddhist monks that are just giving us all these tools of just breathing like it it seems when i explain it it seems so simple but to be able to just sit down and just focus on your breathing for a couple of minutes like people are usually saying like i don't have enough time mm. yeah sit down <laughs> close your eyes and just breathe for three minutes they will seem like it's been three hours when you first start doing it yeah so it's been really a lot a lot a lot of practice of these principles and understanding these terms like what is the meaning of life and what do we all want to be doing in this experience and very interesting stuff. Yeah, is that what you thought you'd do when you grow up? Like when you were a child, is that what you wanted to do? Stuff around meaning and mindfulness? Maybe I didn't know it like that. I did know that I wanted to be uh, a teacher or to do like some sort of public speaking thing. I just enjoyed it so much. Mm -hmm. 
And then recently I remembered that when people ask me, what do you want to study or what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say like international, like, like relation things. Maybe in the t at the time I was thinking about more like business or whatever, because I had not a great idea of what that even meant. But now I do see myself talking to a lot of people from different places. So it's like, okay, check, public speaking, check. And then this mindfulness thing, I believe it started with my own journey with anxiety and depression that I was just like, I won't let this determine who I am or the way I live my life. So then it just became like the purpose, like, oh, from my experience, why would I want to share that might be useful for someone else? Yeah. And if you can make a living out of it, then all the better, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's beautiful. Like sometimes I just walk out of my therapy sessions and I I cannot believe I'm getting paid to do what I love. <laughs> that's wow. Yeah. It's, that's it's one of the amazing. benefits, right, of technology. And like yeah. most people are always so doom and gloom about it. Like technology is ruining our lives. Social media is disconnecting us. Um, but one of the positives is the amount of opportunities you get that never could have been imagined 20 years ago. Yeah, you can be an influence about anything you want. Toenail <laughs> yeah. clippings, whatever you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so. yeah, it's, yeah, it is, in, it is incredible. And that's yeah. awesome that you, that you feel like you found your purpose. I, I feel like I've still got a long way to go, but I get that feeling with the podcast when we're done with the podcast, like, <laughs> holy shit. Like I just got to have like a conversation and learn and uh, yeah. it's not a job yet, but one day, one, one day. day, yeah. Next episode, by next week, by next episode, by Halloween, by yes. Dia de los Muertos. So yeah, yeah. Um, Rap rapid fire questions. <laughs> yeah. You, do you have any rapid fire qu qu questions? We'd yes. like to end with some silly questions. Our battery is going to run out soon. So yeah. Yeah. So I'll just say fire. a word and you just say the first thing or first few words that come to mind. Okay. I'm ready. Can okay, I participate? We'll do one each. <laughs> we'll do one each. I guess one each. Oh, I don't have any questions. Okay. Go. Um, morality. Peace. 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 Um, uh, bracelets made out of shells. <laughs> Friendship. Friendship. Okay. Uh, pizza. Mm, cheese. Cheese, cheese, cheese. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, uh, sunscreen. Don't. 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 Let's oh, go. I agree. Save your skin, yeah. eh? Yeah. I need, to, I need to throw mine away. Yeah. <laughs> Canada. Canada. Love. Canada. Uh, uh, Canada for me, um, America. Shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Insignificant. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> nah, sorry to the Canadian listeners. Uh, no, I've got nothing left. I've got nothing left. Okay. Uh, okay. Chess. Chess. The, the, the game. The game. Chess. Yeah. Uh, horse. Horse. Oh, yeah. That your, is that your favorite piece? <laughs> <laughs> the owl movement. The yeah. owl movement, yeah. Ancient Greece. Interesting. Ancient Egypt. Mm, fascinating. Mayan, right. Mayan civilizations. <laughs> are you going to Peru? Indian civilization. <laughs> <laughs> Magical. Yeah, we think that's, well, becoming Egyptian started from that. Just like Egypt is so fascinating. Yeah. Yes. We want to get back to that level of consciousness that the Egyptians had. Which was more than us ever, right? Yeah, I mean, they said they, they said they were just hunter gatherers uh, yeah. who built the pyramids with spears. So I guess. But yesterday we learned that um, there were there's like 200 times as many pyramids in Sudan, in the country in Africa. Like there's way more pyramids there than wow. there are in Egypt. They're smaller, but they're far more uh, spread out. Mm. But I'm a fan so of the principle that number one blows everything beneath it. 
out the water, so I don't care about the other prison. Yeah, if you, if you did it first, that's what's most exactly. important. Yeah, yeah Led Zeppelin. But okay, yeah. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for watching. Thank I just so ended much, before yeah. our hardware dies. Um, thanks a lot, Miranda, for talking it's been to very us. Very enjoyable. Thank Opposite you. the street from us. Who knew that this level of brains yeah. just existed on the other side of the yeah. road? This happens in Puerto. This happens yeah. in Puerto. So if you need therapy or if you need a friend to talk to, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank All you. right.